Good day, listeners and viewers. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and I actually have uh, two really great guys on the program today. Um, I have Daniel Weiss, who's the Executive Director of the Sexual Integrity Leadership Summit and also the founder of Brushfires Foundation. And I've also got Josh Glazer, who's the Executive Director at Regeneration Ministries. So guys, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jonathan. It's great to be here again. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to have you guys on. Now, both of you have been guests separately previously on our uh, program, um, but it's kind of cool because we're going to be able to bring you guys together because uh, you guys have been working on a, a project together, a, a book actually, and uh, I'm going to show it to our viewers here. I, by the way, viewers, we're recording this in, in, in before the launch of the book, which is actually already happened. It's June 15th, um, but this is called Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World, a Field Guide for Parents. And I've, I've only got a printout of the cover here, um, but by the way, very cool cover. I think it's a pretty cool design on that. Um, but we want to pick your brains on, on what was the uh, motivator for you guys coming together to do this work. In other words, why this book and how did you guys get together on creating this? Hmm. Well, the, the idea started on, on my end. Um, we had in our ministry, we always hear from, and I'm sure you do too, Jonathan, um, parents who are really concerned and intimidated about raising kids in a digitally connected world that's also saturated with pornography. And we, we, were, we had started doing some presentations locally, but really wanted to put something in print. Um, because even as intimidated as parents are, we, we also know that parents are such an important and valuable resource. So in, in the work we do with adults, every one of them wanted parents who are, who are more engaged and healthier in this area of their lives. And so we really saw a sweet spot here for a book. And I reached out to Daniel, really kind of cold called him because um, I, I knew a little about his work and, and we had a mutual friend or two. Uh, so reached out to him, and then I'll let him pick up what attracted him to, about yeah, the book. Yeah, well, Josh, he, you know, we talked about the scope of the project, and as I thought about my time constraints and um, really what he was asking for, it occurred to me that uh, this was a really interesting topic that I had a great deal of interest in. And so the next time we talked, I suggested to him that uh, this was longer than a monograph, that he was thinking, and and not only that, I wanted to write it. Like I wanted to write this as a book, and so I suggested we co-author the book. And I think it took Josh a little bit to get his mind around that because that's not what he was expecting. But the more we explored these themes, we realized there's so much that parents uh, need to know and want to know, and we just didn't see a lot of this information in other resources. So. Um, that's kind of how the genesis of the project. And I think as we explored the content and the ideas and outlining it, uh, we, we grew together as co-authors in a really nice way. Yeah. So um, obviously when you start talking about parenting and even the topic of pornography and what all of that looks like in a digital world, what, how did you narrow down what you wanted to focus on in this book. In other words, another way to put it is, what's the primary question or questions that you are trying to answer in this book for parents and for their kids? 
Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think we, it really boiled down to a few things. One, we knew that for, for all the parents that were concerned about this, so many of them were pulling away from these conversations with their kids. And the bottom line is if parents are not engaged with their kids on a regular basis in healthy ways, talking with them, leading them in this area, then their kids are going to have a different sex educator. And in this day and age, that sex educator is going to be the internet. And the internet is more than happy to offer them input about what sexuality is, what sex is for, uh, and not just information, but images and, uh, and videos and, and not only that, but really, really destructive images and ideas. And so, um, we start there. We start with, we've got to get in the game and we, and that means facing what keeps us from being healthy and, and being able to have these conversations with our kids. And so from there we move into, um, what's your own story and what keeps you, uh, either constricted in this area or what helps you to move freely in this area. Um, so we really in, invite parents into a journey of self-discovery through this too with, with the Lord. Yeah. It, and then Daniel, what else would yeah, you add to that? It's, that's one of the, uh, I think the special elements that we uh, worked really hard to include in the book. It's helping the parents uh, become comfortable with their own sexual story. Um, and many of us, uh, have had issues in the past or maybe working through them now. And that's another source of fear or shame or embarrassment that might keep some parents from engaging with their kids on this topic. But as Josh said, we, we don't have an option. Uh, you know, to be silent means to be complicit in what the culture is doing. And we don't mean that in an antagonistic way, but it is an encouraging way because we know um, kids want to hear from their parents. They don't always act like it. But they really, research shows they really do want to hear from their parents. They want to understand how life works. And that's, that's another specialty. Uh, we kind of have these big three goals with the book. And the other is to help parents understand that we're not just talking about how to run away from something bad, but we're trying to reorient our thinking to run towards what God has created to be good and holy and to understand there's a much larger story going on in and, um, and, and with our sexuality than most of us, most Christians even realize. And so that's why we say tread boldly because this is actually a hopeful book. It's not one that plays into parents' fears. We recognize them um, and how challenging it is, but we are constantly building parents up and, and trying to help them understand um, this is an opportunity to walk into something really good in the midst of what's really hard and challenging in the culture. Well, let's let's talk for a minute about the the issue that you're really hitting head on, and that is dealing with this issue of pornography in the culture. And you know, all of us are are roughly in the same generation. I mean, we're not so different in age that that uh, we couldn't say we we are collectively in kind of the same generation. And let's just say we're not young. Okay, uh, <laughs> how has pornography changed? from when we were kids to what it is now. And I, and not only just like the types of pornography, but just the access and its impact. What has changed in the last 30 years um, with this issue of pornography? Well, I think there's... Daniel, you want to dive yeah, in on that I think that there's one? two main differences and, and probably a lot of variations and sub-differences, sub but the two main differences are the access. Uh, the internet brought pornography into the home really in, in an anonymous way. And, and it's, it's the triple A 
effect. It's anonymous, it's affordable, um, and it's accessible. So uh, when we were growing up, you know, you still had to go into a brick and mortar store to get it. And if you weren't 18, you usually got kicked out if you were trying. Um, or some of us encountered magazines in a dumpster or something like that. So pornography was around, and I'm sure we were all exposed to it as kids, but it, it was still kind of hard to come by. That's just no longer the case. And that has not been the case for at least 15 to 20 years, honestly. Um, and, and, and really going back to 25 years, in 1999, when the internet kind of became really widespread in culture. The other big difference is um, when we were younger, pornography actually still had a plot. It means there was a storyline and it involved sexual activity between people acting out parts. That has not been the case for the most part for, for a decade or longer. Um, the pornography that's out there right now that kids are accessing regularly is incredibly destructive. Uh, it's demeaning and it's very violent. Um, we cite a study in our book that was done in 2007. So that's 14 years ago that found that of the 50 top mo most popular porn films in that year, 88% included physical violence towards the women. So we're talking a generation basically being groomed on violent pornography. And that is a real concern and it's having real world implications. Yeah, and the thing I'd add to that, we, there is a fourth A that we introduced in the book, which is acceptability. So as available and accessible as it is, there's been an increase in just, it's kind of the, even a sense that this is just what kids are going to look at. They're going to experiment with it. Um, so it's important for parents to understand the kinds of truths that Daniel's been outlining because uh, this is not your father's mm -hmm. pornography. This is something much more, not that that wasn't destructive, that was, but it's much more destructive. And And the acceptability of it, we're hearing stories from parents where kids are, you know, they're sharing pornography on their phones at the lunch table at their schools um, or in the, in the locker room. And I know even uh, I was talking to a mom who's, who's a teenage son. Um, and after, after the, the sport he played there in the locker room and guys are passing around their phones. And it was hard for him as a Christian young man to say no, because that drew more attention than, than looking at it did. So the guys who were looking at it weren't drawing his attention. It was the guys who were saying no. They were drawing the attention. They were they were the anomaly, the, the weird ones out. So um, that's a changed I experience for people too. Um, I think that parents need to know. Well, let's about. talk about that a little bit as a as a as a hurdle, um, because I think we we recognize that that culturally and societally, when when anything uh, gets normalized, um, it's harder to present whatever that behavior or you know activity is as a problem, right? I mean, 20, 30 years ago, it was a little bit easier uh, for anybody, not even just a Christian, to be able to pose pornography as a problem and then start trying to work through it as a problem. Now that there is such ubiquity in our culture, it's everywhere. There's a normalization to it. Um, it's even sort of uh, uh, woven into the fabric of entertainment and, and media and all of that. How do you help parents to be able to recognize that this is not something to just dabble in or it's not something that's supposed to be that's good for training their children in sexuality? 
how, how do you help parents even sort of overcome that hurdle, hurdle of the acceptability? I think this is where it gets really exciting for parents because even while this has been happening culturally, at the same time, there has been a growing body of scientific research and a social movement against pornography because the increasingly as people are looking at what's happening, they're recognizing and scientists are studying what's happening in the brain and the body. They're recognizing how destructive this stuff is to the individual, to relationships, to long-term, long-term sustainability of marriages and to the, to the culture at large. Um, so a real practical thing that parents can do is, is even begin to compare, can compare and contrast uh, so let's say we're not looking at pornography, but we're looking or something explicitly pornography, but we're looking at a, a, a regular sitcom or a movie that really has some pornographic messages in it that, that kind of lines up sex as something that's no big deal. This is a great opportunity for parents to, to even compare and contrast what does real love look like and what does this look like? And this is what gets in, into what Daniel was talking about before with the book is is really wanting to urge parents to move towards the, the greater good rather than just away from the pornography. And so this is one of those opportunities to begin talking about what is re- what is real love? What does it entail? Um, is it something that can happen in one night? Is it something you fall into and fall out of, or is there something more sustaining? Uh, and, and uh, I, I think as, as kids, especially as they get older are engaging in those conversations, um, they're going to know, they're going to know, and they're going to push back on, on some of the, the counterfeit versions that are out there. Um, and there'll be interesting conversations too. I mean, I, Daniel and I have had conversations like this with our own kids and, um, and we don't agree in every area, but we want to get our kids thinking and engaging and really wrestling with those kinds of questions. What is love and how does what I'm seeing compare to that? Does it really line up with what's real? Yeah. Just to build on that point earlier this week, uh, my wife and I were having a talk with one of my children uh, about an issue we are concerned about. It wasn't pornography, but uh, my child came back and said, well, you are trying to guide me based on the values of your generation. And I'm working in my generation and the two don't mix. And we had an opportunity to clarify that what we were talking about were godly values that transcended generations. And I think that was a little bit of a, a stopping point for her because we weren't trying to force quote unquote our morality on her. We were trying to call her to the larger, you know, vision of what God created her for. Um, but the other thing you said, Jonathan, I, I'm not sure the research shows that parents are the ones that have had this normalized. I mean, it's really far more normalized in, in the youth generation. Um, I think one study we cite in the book found that um, uh, college-age students, the women, the female college-age students were more accepting of pornography than their fathers were. And so it, when they uh, surveyed both of them. And so uh, according to a Barna research report that came out in 2016, uh, only 11% of kids surveyed were morally disapproving of pornography. The rest were either ambivalent or neutral or accepting or tolerating or even promoting it. So our kids, uh, you know, no matter how we raise them in our homes, they're still going out into a world that's incredibly biased towards pornographic content and the normalization of it. So that's part of that preparation work. We have to be, just as the world normalizes pornography, we have to be normalizing those good, healthy, uh, godly messages in our home and keep reinforcing those. 
Now, one of the things that I that I know has uh, uh, occurs pretty frequently, especially even in, in in Christian families, is, and I think it's been generational for for a very long time, is for somehow it has woven into the the parental thinking of a Christian parent that it would be absolutely the worst thing in the world if my kids knew my brokenness. You talk about mm. how part of what you're doing in the book is helping parents see how incredibly important it is that their own story be part of treading boldly and helping their child to be able to grow up in a pornified culture. Can you speak a little bit about that disconnect that I think sometimes Christian parents have of thinking the best way to protect my child from all the harms in the world is to make sure they never know my own brokenness. What's the fallacy in that thinking? And, and how do you guys address it in the book? Yeah, I think there, there are a lot of directions we go with and because we do hit it a lot in the book. The, I think a lot of parents, what they think is um, if my kids know about my own weaknesses and my own past, my own failures, it's going to give them an excuse. It's going to give them the, you know, the, the, the green light to go ahead and have this, do the same kinds of things. Part of what they don't recognize is that one of the, the, the main virtues, the, the most esteemed virtues of this age uh, for our kids is authenticity. They're not looking for somebody who has all the right answers, looking for somebody who's authentic, authentic and, and for good or for bad. Part of what they mean by that is somebody who's, who has a story, who has, who has some, some dirt. <laughs> so um, I know with me several years ago, I was having a conversation with one of my middle school girls and she was going through something really difficult. And we were talking about the possibility of her seeing a therapist. And, and she lamented in the moment. She said, you know, why am I the only one in the family who's, who's this messed up, who would need to get outside help? Well, she didn't know about the seven years I spent in Christian therapy uh, for dealing with my own pornography addiction. She didn't know about the support groups I'd been in. She knew where I worked. She knew what I did, but she didn't know how it started for me. And I remember sitting there thinking, God, is this the right time? <laughs> Because it never feels like there's the right time. So uh, I just said, hey, honey, you're not. Um, and I, I shared just very little bit with her. I said, you know, I, I actually saw a therapist for a long time because I used to really struggle with looking at pornography. Um, your mom knows all about it. This isn't, you know, secret. Um, but I, I want you to know that, uh, you know, that's that's been a part of my story. And she, the first thing she asked was, um, do my sisters know? <laughs> and I was like, do you? Uh, they don't know yet. Do you, would, would it help you? She's like, I don't want to be the only kid who knows. I said, okay. So, so a few weeks later, her, uh, one of her sisters comes to me and she says, Hey, so is there something you're supposed to tell me? Um, sounds like, um, the, uh, my, my, you told my sister something and I'm supposed to know now. Daniel, what would you and, say to uh, that? Anyway, so I ended up. Well, uh, sorry, Josh froze up on my screen, so I didn't hear the end of what he said. Um, the, just the idea, just that idea of the fallacy of, of yeah. parents thinking that their brokenness is not worthy of sharing with their kids. Yeah, one of the ways we handle that in the book. There we go. Sorry, one we had a little ways... bit of technical difficulties there, uh, Josh. We'll we'll keep rolling on here. Yeah, yeah. One of the ways we handle that in the book is we 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 title a chapter "Laying Aside an Old Map," and so we're talking about treading boldly into this culture, and we treat it as a journey. And, and we're concerned that a lot of parents are bringing an old map to a new journey. And, and so we, we stress a few points 
it's it's a process, not perfection. And that's that's one of the points that we call it a path of striving is expecting perfection from ourselves or from our kids. And so we set everyone up for a lot of heartache and failure. And, and worse than that, we set people up to start hiding what's going on in their lives. But if we understand that our kids' life is a process and we're walking through that and we're we're dealing with things as we come to them, as Josh was saying, we're dealing with it in the moment, but we're open to that process. We're not expecting perfection, which is something you know we didn't live out and they're not gonna live out either. And we need to kind of get our our mind around that in this culture no one is going to come out perfectly clean and so this idea of this purity narrative is another kind of old map we say we we want to cultivate chastity uh, that's a, pro a progressive working through and and living towards what god calls us for in, in our holiness and our sexuality and our discipleship uh, not a perfection not purity only and so we have a, an entire chapter that kind of goes through some of these old maps and shows a better way to look at it. Um, and, I, and I think that that can be really helpful for parents who maybe are afraid to have these conversations because there's such an expectation that they have to do it right or it's a one-time thing and, and they don't want to slip up. And that's really not the way it works, practically speaking. So, so Josh, you were, you were actually sharing a really sweet story with your daughter um, and we, we didn't quite hear the end of that because you said, you know, one of the first things she said was, do my sisters know? Can you kind of give us the rest of the story there in terms of how that worked out with your daughter when you were finally sharing with her some of the things from your own past? Yeah, sure. So a couple of weeks later, her one of her sisters came to me and said, hey, are you supposed to be telling me something there? You know, my sister said that you're supposed to. So I wasn't ready for that one either. But um, so I shared with her. And they were both in the room at that point or two of my daughters were. And, and, and uh, one of them, the one I just told kind of looked a little bit, um, a little uncomfortable, I'd say. And I said, does that, um, is that hard for you to hear? And she said, um, I'll never forget this. She said, it's just, it's a little weird for me. And then she paused and she says, wait a second, wait a second. All, the, all those times you've been telling us about like how Jesus saved you from something or that how he rescued, rescued you from when you were a captive, is that what you were talking about? And I was like, that's exactly what I was talking about. And she's like, oh, okay. So I walked away from that conversation feeling two things. One, I felt, I felt a little bit ashamed. I felt, man, yeah, I, I don't want to, my kids to not see me as just the knight in shining armor. I, you know, I don't, I want to be their hero, not, not somebody they feel kind of has a weird thing in their past. Um, but I also felt like, you know what? If, if my past, elevates Jesus in their lives. If, if they see him as someone who can rescue people from this kind of stuff, um, it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, less of me, more of him. Now, one thing we should outline or should clarify here is that, um, we are not in any way recommending that a parent who has a secret sexual sin, uh, it, or is kind of right in the midst of something that their spouse doesn't know about that parent's not ready to talk to their kids about this. Um, the kids should not have to shoulder the parent's burden. This is, this is, uh, we want to, um, we want to communicate with our kids that which we are, we are, we are, um, that which we are carrying in a healthy way. And if that means that we're on the journey, there are other people, other adults in our lives who are helping carry that burden for us and who can even help us, you know, figure out how to, how to, how and when to communicate, um, and how much to communicate with our mm -hmm. kids. That's good. So kind of the, kind of another big question is, um, what do you really, 
hope or expect parents and their kids to to come away with as a result of engaging this book? What are your kind of aspirational hopes that that this book will challenge parents and and encourage them? What direction would you like to see as a result of parents and kids going through this book? Well, I I think there's a couple takeaways we'd we we'd hope for and we've been praying for. Um, first, I think we really hope to break through that that climate of fear or embarrassment or shame over these topics. Um, you know, Josh and I had the advantage of working in this field before we had kids. So in many ways, we were prepared because we had been dealing with these topics professionally and personally too um, for many years. So when we had kids, we we had a little, we had a leg up. Not every parent has that, and we understand that. But our, we've tried to write the book in such a way that we we help parents understand not only can they do this, they are the exact right person for this. They are the exact person to connect with their kid, whom God has given both the responsibility and the opportunity. And and if they can move past that fear or whatever's kind of hindering them. Um, we believe that, yeah, it'll be challenging. There's going to be some uncomfortable moments along the journey. I mean, we're not shying away from, from that. But I think there's a great reward in walking this together with our kids. And, and the reward is for us, but it's especially for our kids who, you know, we didn't walk this path when we were kids with trusted adults. And we have an opportunity to give our kids something, right. especially at a time where it's most needed. So I hope that parents do kind of rise to that challenge because it's it's a worthy one. Yeah, we, we wrote the book not because we don't believe in parents, um, but because we do. I mean, we we want this book to be and we want parents to walk away really feeling esteemed and lifted up like I, I'm a mom, yeah. I'm a dad. And that's such a great thing. What a great opportunity. And. This world that's been so intimidating to me, this pornographic culture that we're living in has been so intimidating. I'm actually really glad to be alive. I'm glad to have the opportunity to engage with these kids in this time because I matter in this story. Um, the, the other thing that we want, that we hope for parents will, will really grasp, and we haven't really even talked about this is, uh, in, but Daniel mentioned in the beginning a little bit, pornography is, is the, it's the shadow side of God's bright, glorious, beautiful design for male and female sexuality. And so part of what we do in this book is, is really begin to unpack even a little bit of a theology for what is sex all about? What, what, it, how, how do, how do love and sex go together? How do marriage and sex go together? This is much more than the wait until marriage conversation. One conversation that many of us either had or didn't have, you know, the, the talk. And we're really talking about engaging with our kids in a lifelong conversation that's, that's mutual back and forth about God's design for sexuality. Um, and it's really good, good news. It's, it's a beautiful design. We, we, we hope that this book will actually encourage parents to engage with their kids in a way that tries to invite them on a journey that's more compelling and more desirable than the one that the culture's offering to all of us. That's so good. So we've only got a, a couple of minutes left, but I would love for each of you to just maybe give some, some closing word of encouragement to the parents that are out there that are feeling that stress, uh, you know, that are feeling that fear. Um, maybe they're even just like, man, I'd, I'd love to get this book, but 
maybe they're even feeling a sense of hopelessness. Like, what's the point? You know, just any mm-hmm. any word of encouragement that you would have to uh, a parent out there. And then we'd love for you to let us know how um, we can how a parent can get the book. Yeah, you know, one thing we haven't really mentioned, Jonathan, in this, I mean, this is a short talk about, you know, a book. We can't fit it all in, but this is an important part. Uh, Parents, one of the main reasons parents don't have to feel uh, intimidated by this topic or this journey is because we do not do this alone. And we try to weave throughout the book how much God is present with us as parents, how much God cares for the well-being of our children, and the health of our families. And God is not sending us out, right? He, he sent out the 72 disciples and said, go preach the good news. Uh, but he sent them out with his authority and his power. And they were able to do amazing things with Jesus's authority and Jesus's power. And we believe that's the authority and the power that God is calling us to embrace. And so, yes, we may find hard things that our kids might be looking at porn or might have a real problem with it. But we're not going into that dark place alone. Jesus is there before us, with us and behind us. And that is where the hope comes from. And that is where the courage comes from. So that's why we can run towards this, this challenge um, with and for our kids. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, I don't know if you noticed this. My I totally, my screen just went blank. I'm not sure what's happened with my, uh, my connection over here, but so I did not hear it. We can hear you. <laughs> you we can hear you though. You. Okay. Okay. Um, what, what I'd add is, is, uh, well, let me, I'll add it. And then if, if this is what Daniel said while I was out, forgive me, but, um, you know, our, our, our kids matter so much to each one of us, uh, and we matter that way to God. And I think a lot of us have the idea that, you know, now we're the parents, we're supposed to know it all. We're supposed to lead the charge. Um, but we're actually all kids and we are the first generation to raise kids in a digitally connected pornography saturated culture. God knows this. His grace is not just for our kids. It's for us. The journey towards learning to love with a Christ-like love is not just for our kids. It's for us. And so with all the ups and downs that our kids are going to experience, we're going to experience them too. And the grace and goodness and presence of Christ is available for parents just as it is for our kids. So this is really an invitation to a journey that we are on with our kids, uh, with God and with That's our kids. So, good. so where can parents get the book? Yeah, we've set up a landing page, um, treadingboldly.com. So it's part of the title, treadingboldly.com, and people can find it, ordering information there and some other fun stuff. Awesome. Well, we will be make sure, we'll make sure to put that in our show notes. But um, Daniel, Josh, thank you so much for uh, getting together on this project and and putting this together. I I trust it's going to help a lot of parents and even have implications for future generations. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate your support Pleasure. on that. Well, listeners, uh, go to treadingboldly.com to learn more about the book and how you can get access to that. And, uh, you know, if you want information and help from us, please go to puresexradio.com. We'd love to be able to walk alongside you on your journey. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back here again next time. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.